The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today's message is the conclusion of a sermon by Elder Luke Hagler entitled, Where is Thy God? You may recall from the first half of this sermon, Brother Luke took us to Psalm 42, where we see the enemies of God mocking the children of God by asking them, Where is thy God? You also recall that Brother Luke took us to several situations in the Old Testament, which showed us that it really is God's children that should be asking the heathen, Where is thy God? In the conclusion to this message today, Brother Luke makes it real for us. He reminds us that even though we may not bow down to a figure that's been carved out of wood, we nevertheless have many false gods today. And it's a certainty that one day God himself will bring to nothing the false gods of this world. So join us as we hear the conclusion of this wonderful sermon, reminding us that there is only one true God, and all other little g-gods are false gods. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. Remember Ashdod's where one of the temples is. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, and I want you to notice this, and when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, the next day, behold Dagon, this statue of stone, was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him up in his place again. All right. We're going to make sport of Samson. We're going to make sport of King Saul. We're fixing to make sport of all the house of the Israelites because we've got the Ark of the Covenant and we're going to bring it in to this stone statue of Dagon and we're going to set it by him and we're going to mock it. Right? In a sense, it looks like the Ark of the Covenant is bowing down before Dagon, right? What a great victory to these wicked people. And they go to bed and they probably have a great party and all that stuff. And they go to bed and they wake up the next morning. What do they find? What do they find? They find that their God has actually, in fact, fallen down before the ark. Now, big stone statues don't just fall, right? So they set it back up. Uh, it must have been something. I don't know. Could have been the wind. Could have been an earthquake. They did what we all do. We try to justify it. There's no way that our God bowed down to this ark. So they get him and they set him back up. It says, And when they arose early on the morrow morning, the next morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Now listen, that ought to make you want to shout a little bit right there, right? We've made sport of all of these things, but you put the Ark of the Covenant in front of the Lord and it was not a rat. It was not the wind. It was not an earthquake. It was not some sort of, of temple uh, animal that jumped up on this thing. It was the power of God that brought that thing down and made it fall, breaking its head and the, and the palms of his hands in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, who does the question belong to? Where is thy God? I think it belongs to the Israelites, right? I think it's the Israelites that look at the Philistines and say, where is thy God? He's on the ground on his face with a broken body before our God. Are you with me? That ought to excite us a little bit. Now, we, we, we sing the song, uh, Babylon has fallen. Well, hey, Dagon's fallen too, right? He's fallen on his face. Now, Understand this, after that second time, the Philistines, they did not, they did not you know, run to Israel and say, oh, your God is the, is the one and only true living God and we're going to change and blah, blah, blah. They didn't do that. But they recognized that he was more powerful than Dagon. And they said, get that ark out of here. Just get it out of here, leave us alone. You see, the wicked aren't going to surrender to God. The wicked aren't going to follow the Lord unless the Lord has already done a work of grace in their heart. But, and they can, but they can sure acknowledge that he's more powerful than their little G-God, right? 
And I said, get that ark out of here. Let's look at some more examples real quick. The Egyptians were similar to the Philistines and that they had, they had many gods. I, I figured up 15. There are probably a whole lot more than that. But in the research I did, I at least found 15. 15 gods or goddesses that the Egyptians worshipped, right? I'm not, I'm not going to read a list to you because I can't pronounce most all their names. At least I can't get them right. But there are at least 15 gods. Now, if you remember that Israel is in bondage to Egypt. They're slaves in Egypt for a long, long time. And while they're slaves in Egypt, I'm sure they see all these you know, false gods and goddesses around that these Egyptians worshipped. And then along comes Moses. And along comes Aaron. With a message to Pharaoh that the time of slavery has come to an end. And that God is bringing his people out of Egypt. He is going to take his people out of Egypt. We're just here to let you know, right? We're going to try to be a little diplomatic about this. Hey, Pharaoh, God says it's time to let them go. You need to let them go. We're going to... We're going to we're going to give you the chance to let them go knowing I'm going to take them either way, right? We're going to be diplomatic about it. Pharaoh says, don't think so. We're not letting your people go. Man, they, they do all the work around here. We sit around with the people, you know, fanning us with the big palm trees and limbs and all that kind of stuff. We're not getting out there and making bricks. That's what the Israelites are for. We're not letting them go. And then God begins to do what he did to Dagon or what he would do to Dagon in the future. He begins to bring to light that the little g gods and goddesses of the Egyptians were really no gods and goddesses at all. And that there is only one true and living God. Now look, let me go through a couple of these. And I'm just going to kind of go through. I'm going to kind of be a little sporadic here. Exodus the ninth chapter. <clears throat> what you find is that in some of the plagues that came on Egypt, right? It was a direct attack on these so-called gods of the Egyptians, gods and goddesses of the Egyptians. You see, they had a god that they called Isis. Isis was actually a goddess, all right? Isis was actually a goddess, and she was the goddess of medicine, all right? She was a goddess that they would go to, and they would worship, and they would call on, their, a call on her for healing powers, for healing properties. So if you know one of the Egyptians got some kind of sickness and you know you didn't go down to the to the you know to the doctor and, and they didn't have all the medicines we had today, I'm sure they had some kind of stuff, but um, you know, if somebody was sick, then you called on the goddess Isis. You didn't, you know, they weren't praying to Jehovah God, they were praying to and calling upon Isis, a, a made-up character. Just a made-up character. But they would fervently pray to Isis to come and bring healing because she was the goddess of medicine, right? What does the Lord do in Exodus, the ninth chapter, when he's bringing these plagues on Egypt? One of the things that he brings upon them are boils, right? In Exodus, the ninth chapter says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh, and it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt. And shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the lands of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace and they, and they do all that. And it says, and they sprinkled towards the heaven and it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. 
Now, who does the question, where is thy God, belong to? Can you imagine the Lord standing there in all of his glory saying, where is Isis, Egyptians? Where is your God of medicine? Because there's boils over all of you. And nobody can do anything about it. Do you know what that was? That was God's way of making this so-called Isis fall on its face before the one and only true living God. You with me? They also had a God named Hapai. Hapai was a God of the Nile River. Do you remember one of the plagues? What happened to the Nile River when the Lord said, let my people go? And he said, I'm not going to do it. He turned it to blood, right? Where's Hapai at? Where's your God of the Nile River? Well, listen, without the Nile River, there's no life. That was their source of water. That was their source of life. And here the Lord has turned it to blood. It is unusable. It is undrinkable. You can't do anything with it. And he stands back and says, where's your God? Where's your God now? What about Ra, the God of the sun, the Egyptian God of the sun? You remember there was a time in one of these plagues that the Lord, let's see, it's in Exodus, the 10th chapter. Exodus 10th chapter, the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand toward heaven and let that there may be darkness over the land. Notice this. I always thought this was interesting. Even darkness which may be felt. Now that's dark, right? That's not just a little bit dark. Darkness that can be felt. I've never been in that kind of darkness. But it was an eerie, creepy darkness. And the Lord would stand back and say, where is Ra? Where is the God of your son, S-U-N? Where is he? He's over here with Isis. He's over here with Hapi. And I'm going to add Ra over there. They're on their face before me. Because number one, they don't really even exist. But I'm proving to you that I'm the one and true living God. Where's your God? Let me give you a few more here just for fun. Men was the God of fertility or the God of birth. Do you remember the death of the firstborn? Our Lord is mocking these false gods. What about Geb, the God of the earth? Let's see, it says, um, And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land. Strike the earth, Moses, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Where's Geb at now? Where's your God of the earth, right? We got another one here. Shu is the God of air. Do you remember that hail rained down from the sky? There's one last one that I'll give you is Shanihim is the God of protection from pestilence. And it says in Exodus, the 10th chapter, it says, if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow will I bring the locust into thy coast and they shall cover the face of the earth that one cannot be able to see the earth. That's a bunch of them. I'd rather be in darkness. And they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, which, which remaineth unto you from the hell, and shall eat, uh, eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. It's also interesting that this God of protection from pestilence had the head of a locust. And then God sends a swarm of locusts. So much so that you could not even see the ground. That means if you walked, you stepped on them, it means wherever you were standing, they were at least up to your ankles. Again, 
Darkness doesn't seem so bad, does it? Do you see what I'm getting at? This man in Psalms 42 had the wicked constantly coming up to him on a daily basis saying, where is your God? Where's your God at? That question is a question that we ought to be asking. Where's your God, little G? Where's your God at? Because my God is standing over here with Dagon at his feet. My God's standing over here with all these gods of the Egyptians at his feet. My God is walking to and fro, walking on the water, healing the lame, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, raising the dead. That's where my God is. Where's your God? Now, let's get a little bit closer to home here. You won't, or at least in America, as far as I know, you won't find Dagon, you won't find, you know, Isis or Happy or Ra or Hapi. You won't find all those gods. What you find is money. Are you with me? You're going to find the God of money. And don't think for one second that we don't worship money. But we sure do. Now, let me give you just an unsettling thought here. There's no question in my mind that money is a false god of America. We pursue it. We think about it. We love it. We want more of it. Do you realize how quickly God can make our dollar worth nothing? Nothing. How quickly? Look, look, look with, uh, all right, on, a, on a very small scale. All right, James Spann says there's going to be ice and snow, maybe a tornado. Boom, can't find bread and milk, right? Listen, COVID comes along. Look what COVID did to our society in just a matter of months. Just a matter of months. Listen, I understand COVID is a big deal. COVID is nothing compared to what the Lord could do on our nation if we don't stop sacrificing the innocent and we don't stop turning our back on His commandments and we don't stop worshiping all the things that we worship, He can make our little gods go to nothing fast. So much so that a million dollars in your hand of cash, one million dollars in cash would be worthless. You would use it to start a fire just to stay warm. Listen, you don't think that can't happen? Who would have thought Dagon, this big stone statue, would have fallen on his face? Who would have ever thought the Nile River would have turned into blood? But if God has to do that to prove that He is the only one worthy of our worship, I believe He can do it. And I believe He will do it. He can make our dollar worthless and stand back and say, where is your God? Where is the God you trusted in instead of me? This whole deal when COVID came along, it made me realize real fast how unstable our society and our economy is. And if the Lord is not there holding it all together, if He ever steps back and says, all right, y'all figure it out. Again, you'll take a million dollars just to start a fire, just to stay warm so you can cook what little food you've got. That's making a God fall down before our God, right? Work. Work is another God. Work is a God. Now it's not for me. I've got my own little gods that I deal with, but work, work is a God to a lot of people. You know, God has called the Father to be the head of the home. I will go to my grave standing on that hill. I will die on that hill. 
People can argue with me all you want to about it. God designed the man to be the head, the father to be the head of the household. That does not mean you rule with an iron stick. It means you are supposed to be there. You are supposed to provide. You are supposed to teach. You are supposed to guide. You are to be their protector. God made man to be the head. And if the head goes way off over here and is more concerned with his work than it is his family, that work has become a God. If a man's working 100 hours a week when he could get by on 40 hours a week, your work has become a God. Our work can become a God. I know people who would rather be at work than at home with their families. It ought not be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Do you know how quickly that work can fall on its face and bow down before our God? Fast. What about fame? Now, none of us, I don't guess any of us are real famous. Brother Mac, you probably about as close as I know. None of us are really famous, right? Do you know how many, how many times do we have to read in the paper or see on the news somebody that spent their whole life pursuing fame and that's the very thing in their last days that they detested? Right? I want you to think about the Egyptians. Oh, locust, the locust god. Look at locust man, locust head man, the god, blah, blah, blah. They got to a point where they hated the sight of a locust. Right? How many times do you see people, the fame that they turned their back on God to go pursue become an irritant to them? They can't stand it. I hate everybody knowing me. I like to go places and nobody know who I am, Right? They, I can't go anywhere without anybody knowing me. I'm constantly in the spotlight. I walk, I walk out of my house. People are snapping pictures at me. I hate this. Really? Because that's what you forsook God to pursue. And now it's become an irritant to you. And it's forcing you to realize that there's something more powerful than fame. Mm-hmm. Right? There's something you should have been pursuing all along other than fame. Listen, the God of money the God of work, the God of fame, the God of entertainment. You know, that's, one, that's kind of one of my soapboxes right now is the God of entertainment. Why do we want to be entertained so bad? We crave to be entertained. And I don't understand it. We will go entertain ourselves with things that God absolutely despises just so we can have an hour and a, t- hour and a half of entertainment. Brother, entertainment's a God. Entertainment in this society is a God. Leisure's a God. There's all kind of little gods. They're not named Dagon and Hapi and all these weird names. They're named things that we deal with every day. Now, God can bring our little gods to nothing quickly to prove to us once again that He is the only one worthy of our praise and our worship. Right? And He's the only one that really needs to be standing and saying, where is your God? I don't want to be that guy. I don't, want to, I don't want to find myself one day with things that I held so dear to see them come to nothing and to look over and see the Lord standing there and saying, where are they now? Right? Where's your work? Where's your money? Where's your fame? Where's your entertainment? Where are all these things that you've spent so much time doing? I've known some people who... When it comes time for hunting season, they spend a good bit of money on leases to hunt. And during hunting season, that's what they're going to do. And I've, I've heard them say that. I spend a lot of money on, on these leases during hunting season, 
And when it comes hunting season, I'm not going to be in church on Sunday because I got too much invested over there. Brothers and sisters, do you know how quick God can bring that to nothing? In a heartbeat. In a second. One minute the Nile River is flowing beautiful, getting, you know, getting water out of it, and drinking and washing, and the next minute it's blood. One minute you're standing there and everything's good, skies are pretty, sunshine and breeze is blowing, the next minute you know you're ankle deep in locusts. God can do it. And I'm not so convinced if we don't turn as a nation, God's going to do it. But if that's what it takes, if we've got to take a million dollars worth of cash to start a fire with, if that's what it takes for God's people to turn back to God, so be it. And I include myself in that, right? Let me finish with this. The wicked say, where is thy God? And I like this verse right here in Psalms. It says in Psalms 115, Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? And it says in verse 3, but our God, is in the heavens, he hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their own throat. They that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. It's a pretty good picture of how the Lord views Dagon, the Dagons of, of the world. Mm. I think it's interesting that it says they have hands, but they handle not. What happened to Dagon? He just ended up a stump. Mm -hmm. And if I'd have been a Philistine and I walked in there and I saw that, it might have crossed my mind. My God has no hands to handle. My God has no head to see and to hear and to speak to me with. That ought to hit pretty close to home because money has no hands, no head, no eyes, no ears, no mouth to speak to us. Yet we pursue it, we worship it, we love it. And we do need it, I understand that. Think about those other things that I mentioned. No hands, no head, eyes, ears, mouth. But the Bible says our God is in the heavens. That's where He is. Now, let me go back to the very beginning. He does not open up those heavens and step out and say, just a reminder, I'm still here. Don't forget to worship me. Don't forget I'm the only one and true living God. Don't forget about Dagon. Don't forget about Ra. Don't forget about Hapai, what happened to them. He doesn't do that. But he puts something inside of us called his spirit, and that spirit generates faith. And that faith is all we need to walk in such a way that he is the only thing that we're trusting in and bowing down to. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com.
Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.